Well, we have finally made it to draft week. It feels uh, like it's been a long time coming, especially this offseason with the Lions. Yeah. So much happening with them. Uh, I am Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. This is one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. And uh, before we get into it, just real quick, I want to remind you to go uh, rate, review, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, also get over, we've got some uh, subscription deals going again at theathletic.com. Um, for draft season so get over there we've got up this week uh, monday we published our uh what we're hearing just sort of emptied the notebooks and uh tossed out everything we knew about sort of the lions plans and they're thinking right now and we've also got uh mock drafts up uh this week and uh just recently our big board our top 41 prospects uh, that we think the lions might be interested in uh which is what we're going to break down here a little bit but that i mean this is as we kind of keep saying to people, you know, we can kind of take educated guesses on this. We've talked to some people in oh, that yeah. organization. We've heard from Holmes and Campbell and had some one-on-one time with Campbell. But uh, this is <laughs> as much a crapshoot yeah. as, as maybe ever for the Lions, uh, just because of we don't know what this organization's – we don't know what this regime wants to do. And the, as we've said, they just need everything. Right. It's all brand new because – you know, there's no, like, even with, um, with like Brad Holmes, we can go back and we've done this since January, you know, you can go back and look at all the Rams draft picks and look at all the people that, you know, that the franchise drafted during his time as college scouting director. But every time we do that, we have to come back with like, but Brad Holmes wasn't the one making that decision. You know, he was the one, he was the one pitching some of those guys perhaps, you know, and he was the one maybe even standing on the table for some of those guys, but he wasn't the one making those decisions. And same thing for Dan Campbell. So it's like, in every way it's brand new. And I was on, I did a, I did um, Matt Deary called yesterday and, and I did like 10 minutes with his podcast and he asked an interesting question about the fans. And I thought it was interesting because he said, you know, that he thought the lions were sort of winning with the fans right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've sort of talked about this and it's hard to argue with that. And I think that the reason they're winning with the fans right now is that they haven't done anything yet that is like that you can point to and say, yeah. what are you doing? Like that was so weird or like didn't make any sense. Everything to this point has been so logical, but like, I really feel like once, <laughs> once that draft horn blows, like we don't know where it's going to go. So like now it's really going to get interesting to see where all these decisions sort of unfold. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I've have heard from people that they're frustrated, not everyone certainly, but mm-hmm. if anything, people were a little frustrated that they took on golf and took on that sure, contract sure, yeah. and now seem to be not committed to him long-term, but they seem to think he's going to be their guy for a year or two. And so that's, you know, we keep coming back to it with this draft. If they get to seven and Trey Lance or Justin Fields are there and they don't take that guy, yeah, we're going to be doing this for five, 10 years where it's like, oh well, yeah. Maybe they should have, should they have gotten him? <laughs> Did they make the right decision there? If either one of those guys is there and then takes off and has, you know, e- even if they are Justin Herbert next year, but even if they have right, just a solid career and the Lions are into 2024 trying to find a starting quarterback, we're going to be talking about that. So that's the one that I'll be kind of curious to see what the reaction is and, and certainly curious to see what they do if that's mm-hmm. the case. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about trade trading back. I still think that that's the preferred option this year. But again, I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they love Trey Lance. We, you, you mentioned uh, um, in one of our stories, like they had 
uh, Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, both went to that pro day. They both yeah. went to uh, which other which other one did they both go to? That field, Fields was Spielman and uh, yeah. Holmes, and then yeah, Zach Wilson, which you know that train has and they both went departed, to Lance, I think. But yeah, right. yeah, but they were both at Trey Lance's pro day. They know Justin Fields, so maybe uh, I mean maybe I we can't close the door on it. But that's the one that you know just because of the position because they missed last year uh, because they traded Stafford. I mean that's right. the one that obviously there's a lot riding on the decisions at quarterback. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it, we're about, I don't know how many hours are, out are we now? 46, <laughs> 40 out, 45 yeah. hours out from the start of the draft. H- have you come around at all on like if fields or Lance is there, do you, have, have you moved towards the direction where they'd take that guy? You still think. I, I think, think that, you know, I just, again, I, I this has been a weird situation in some ways it's been like really interesting and fascinating too because you know the lions once they made the decision to trade Stafford and they took the golf uh, you know contract on and like you said chris that's probably the one thing that you know we've, we've heard from fans majority wise anyway that are like i don't know about that one we'll see so that you know in theory takes the lions out of maybe in a lot of people's eyes the quarterback conversation but for me you know in this draft but for me it never did the lions you know you can look at them as quarterback needy. If you want to, I think some ways that's a little subjective. Maybe they don't think they are right now, but Lance fields and Mac Jones, their evals on those three guys, the whole draft for Detroit revolves around that because your trade possibilities are pretty much going to revolve around what you think of those quarterbacks, whether or not you want to take one, right? Like there's so much of it that has to get sorted and it all starts right there. And, you know, I think that so much about how, this entire thing falls for Detroit will sort of revolve around what they think of these guys. And for me, um, Mac Jones is not someone I would take at seven. I would take (laughs) Justin Fields at seven. I would probably take Trey Lance at seven, but I'm not the GM of the lions. Right. So like I can understand if they don't and they are able to get a trade or if they don't and they take Penny Sewell, I get both of those if they don't make a trade and they can, and they take like Jalen Waddle, uh, you know, then we'll have a conversation, you know, I don't know about all that. Right. But like, those are the things that we'll have to see as they go. But um, you know, it's not real cut and dry, I guess. That's the thing. It's not, there's no like black and white answer here. There's a lot of like shades of gray with this one because of the trade and, and the real possibility of from a couple different angles. And we talked about that, Chris, a few different situations here, not just quarterback wise, you know, that could be uh, that could play into their trade possibilities. I, I think the golf thing, I, I think, again, I would just caution people that I think that that is, I think that was a safety net for them and to, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. You know, I think they're hoping that he's amazing, that he comes in and he and Anthony Ling click and he, you know, plays like he did a couple of years ago and is hitting deep balls all the time and looks great off play action. And you say, all right, well, maybe this is our guy for five or seven years. Like maybe he is still. Right. A, a very good NFL quarterback. Uh, I think that's the hope. But I, to me, a lot of this was they, you know, I I don't know that we'll ever find out specifically if they got an extra first round pick for taking the golf contract off the Rams hands, but it's possible they got more for taking the golf contract off the yeah. Rams hands. So that's one bonus. But I think the other part of this is just that they know Jared Goff. And so you didn't have to go into this offseason thinking, all right, well, let's we got to find a guy who can start, who we know is going to stay healthy, who we know is going to come in here and have the right mentality if we're four and 13 and we're just talking about, you know, laying the foundation. And Brad mm-hmm. Holmes has already done all that legwork. He's super comfortable 
with Jared Goff, you know, they, they didn't have to go try and figure out what, uh, you know, sort of attitude some random free agent quarterback or some other trade was going to bring in to the yeah. building. They knew what Jared Goff was going to bring to the table. And, and even when you hear him talk about him, it's not, well, yeah, we think, we think we, uh, he's just as good as Matthew Stafford. We think we upgraded the position. It's not that it's, we think no. he's tough. We know he's winning won games in this league. We know he'll be good in the locker room. Like it's all this type of stuff that you say about a quarterback that you just know is going to be in there and be fine for you, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so I don't, I, I don't think at any point they've ever talked about him as, well, maybe this is our guy that we're going to build around. It's not that. Uh, this no. is just, no. they think that he can help hold down the fort. And if it turns out to be more than that, the Lions finally catch a break <laughs> when yeah, they need right. one. And if not, then you move on. But um, I, I don't know. That, you know. that was one of the questions I mentioned. We wanted to get into the big board. And uh, let me let me just say this. Yeah, really yeah. Quick. Yep. You you said something right there, and I, I'll say this. Maybe the Lions catch a break. Hey, you know what? It is allowed in the NFL, and I know that fans. <laughs> I know that fans look at that stuff and they say to themselves, and I understand it completely. They see Jared Goff come in here and they say, well, you know what? Whatever. I don't want Jared Goff. What that move tells me is they've just decided he's going to be the guy for 10 years, hell or high water, right? Like no matter what, they're going to force him out there. But like Chris said, like it's not impossible that he ends up having a good couple of years and the Lions maybe even if they were to draft a quarterback and he still had a good couple of years, what happens there? Maybe you have a trade chip on your hands or something else like it's possible so i think that that's something to keep in mind here as hard as it may be as you go forward go ahead chris sorry to interrupt no no yeah no i think that is is important i mean we've seen team he i mean golf almost won a super bowl teams can win (laughs) with the quarterback of that caliber we're not saying he's going to be a hall of famer but i I don't think it's impossible and you know i wrote this pretty soon after the trade. I, I mean, I think that we have to at least consider the possibility that Jared Goff is a decent NFL starting quarterback. Right, yeah. And agree. as you're in this spot, you know, that was one of the things Dan Campbell said, you know, back in February to us, which maybe their thinking has changed in the last two months. Maybe they've looked at these quarterbacks. They've mm-hmm. fallen in love with one of these guys. You know, the landscapes changed within the building. They said, all right, we really, we love Trey Lance. Let's, let's take him if he's there. But, you know, Dan Campbell uh, right away said, you know, the best way to help your quarterback is to have a good team. And so let's go build out the line some more. Let's get some linebackers right. in here. Let's figure out wide receiver. And then we can figure out the quarterback spot. And, and I think that that's been the approach the whole time is that they, you know, maybe they love Trey Lance, like I said, but Trey Lance isn't coming in here and and lighten the world on fire with this roster next year so no no um, and it would be a frustrating i mean it would be a it would be a challenging time i think right now for a young let's let's just i mean for if they took fields or lance you know or mac jones or whatever if they took a quarterback (laughs) at seven um make sure you mention mac jones (laughs) right and brought him in here and said like you know i mean in theory with the lions right now you'd say if they took a quarterback at seven you'd think that the, the guy would maybe sit or, or learn on the fly for a minute. But I mean, you're not in a situation where, you know, everything is, is as it is here. So that player is going to have to go through a lot of those growing pains while he's trying to gain his confidence as a young pro quarterback. I mean, the thing that you have to ask yourself too, I think that we haven't probably talked about maybe as much as we should have. I don't know. Are the lions is the Lions situation right now. Like, is it even at all, you know, like ideal, not ideal, but I mean, is it, is it, would it be healthy? 
for a rookie quarterback to be to be in here right now. I mean, you know, as he's trying to learn as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, whatever, I I question that because, I mean, yeah. we just don't know where this is all headed right now, and I, I don't know if that environment is totally ideal uh, for that situation at the moment either. I mean, I do think uh, two things. I think that, first of all, I think the coaching staff, if they were to bring in a, a young quarterback, is in a good spot to help. I mean, you have Anthony Lynn, so. who just had Herbert. Like, you, you know he can yep. he can handle – what a rookie quarterback's going to go through. You have Mark Brunel as your quarterback's coach, who certainly knows what it's going to be like when a quarterback starting out. You know, Campbell said that one of the things he loved about Brunel is that Brunel came into the interview when they they talked to him, and he said like he had a book of things, you know, a book of book that he gives to all his quarterbacks or wanted to give to all yeah. his quarterbacks that sort of walks them through every scenario they're going to face. Like, what do you do on the day after oh. a loss? How do you handle that? What do you right. do on the day after so a win? Good. How do you handle that? And he said, Brunel told him, I didn't have someone to tell me this stuff when I started. And so it took me two or three years to even figure out how to be a pro. And so I think from yeah. a coaching staff perspective, they could handle it. My other point though, is that I think a lot of this stuff, you know, having a quarterback sit and learn, uh, flipping a guy from left to right tackle. Like we, some mm-hmm. of the stuff we say, like, it's just, you, you know, snap your fingers yeah, and right. it's easy and it works. <laughs> having a quarterback sit and learn is a tough thing to do because right now they're still all virtual. First of all, I mean, they're going to be in person a little bit more. It sounds like this off season than last off season, but yeah, you know, it's not going to be, I mean, I don't think that we're going to have a full rookie mini camp, for example. So, um, you know, there's that challenge, but also once you get past training camp, you know, in training camp, you can give a rookie as many snaps as you want in preseason. He can play three quarters. You get to the regular season, your number one quarterback's taking 85% of the reps in, in practice. If he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So how I do mean, you get a guy better while he's just sitting? I mean, you have to draft a guy who's capable of sitting and watching and picking up the game without right. playing. And that's a tough thing too. I mean, that's, that's why, a lot of people argue that if you're going to use a high pick on a quarterback, you've got to do it with the expectation that you're going to play him because it's so hard to develop a guy while he's right. just in the film room. And the other thing to note there too would be is if you take one of these guys, you know, you you would then need to have more, I would think, and maybe they do have this, but I would think it would maybe need to be a little more public too in terms of like you'd need a somewhat of a concrete plan of where this is going to go. Like, how long does Trey Lance need to sit and wait, ideally, right? Like, how long do you want him to, to sit and wait? When do you want to make your decision on what you want to do here with the two guys? I mean, those are all things to take into account. I would also say, though, at the end of that, none of those things are reasons to not take a guy if you think he's the, he's the future of your franchise. And I think that at the end of the day, that's the, the hardest decision and the one that they get paid the big bucks for is that, there are for the Lions, there are a bunch of reasons why it would be easier to wait on taking a quarterback. But none of them, I think, <laughs> Trump, if you have a guy who you think is, you know, your future superstar, then all of those reasons are things you sh- that you can just work around and you figure it out and you take him. Uh, and, but ultimately, that's the question they have to answer. And you know, we're not going to know that until it comes down to it. And I think that's that's why this has been so, such a super interesting draft to talk about uh that's why for the lions anyway and it could go a bunch of different ways and that's why we're sitting here 40 hours out and we don't have any idea <laughs> yeah, we don't know where they're, they're gonna go i mean it could be a couple different things yeah for sure uh so yeah i mentioned we wanted to get into the big board and I, one of the questions we got back right away 
is why don't you have the quarterbacks at the yeah. top? <laughs> Which it's a hard one. Yeah. Is a fair question. I mean, we have, uh, again, this is up on The Athletic. You can head over there. If you're not a subscriber yet, there's a really good uh, subscription deal. Just go in. Um, we, we both tweeted out the link. Yeah, uh, yeah. You can head over to theathletic.com, go to the Lions page, find it all there. But uh, we had Sewell as the number one option for Detroit. Jamar Chase is number two. Pitts as the third. Rashawn Slater's up there at six, then Waddle. And in between them, we have Lance at four and Justin Fields at five and Mac Jones is down in the thirties or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so yeah, Lance right, at four, yeah. <laughs> Justin Fields at five. Um, and I think it is a fair question to ask why we don't have them as one, two. And right. I don't know. I mean, I guess we kind of hedged our bets a little bit, but it, it sort of goes back to the discussion of what does this team need right now to move forward with this rebuilding situation? And mm-hmm. I don't, I still, again, I still don't know. I mean, we, we don't know. I mean, it's really hard to put your finger on it. Does, does Jamar chase get you further along over the next two to three years than Trey Lance would? I think that he probably would (laughs) in theory because he, because he would play, but no, I don't know about long-term. I don't know. You know, long-term, I think Penny Sewell might, and that would be the reason why I would say, but you know, but no, you're right. I mean, two, three, we both uh, had Sewell. We went really through this hard. separately. Yeah, and right, we both had Sewell we, at one, but you had the quarterback. I, I think had you had Lance at two, right? I put I put them two three because, and I told you, and I quote, I put them two three because I didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what else to do with them. <laughs> right. Because for me, like I look at this, like, and I'm like, okay, one is a trade, but it's not a purpose. So number one on this big board for me is is trade. You, the Lions, I think the 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 biggest thing, like to me. Priority number one, like the dream scenario in this draft, I think for the Lions would be picking up a ransom for number seven and getting a bunch of a bunch of picks that you can turn into what we said at the very top, like build the team first, then worry about all the, you know, whatever else you're going to do, get a team together because that's necessary. So number one for me is trade. Number two would be Sewell. And then number three would be like either if Chase falls or Pitts is there, those would be conversations where it's, that's why I say like, you know, those are guys where maybe you take them. Maybe if you don't like those quarterbacks, I think, again, it all comes back to, you know, what they think of it. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, that's that's the hardest hardest thing to judge. We don't know what Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell think of these guys, you know, these quarterbacks. And, um, you know, that's the ultimate thing. That's why it's so tough because it's a fair question. They could be one and two. They could be one A and one B. I, you know, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to say with that. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think that it just – Plain and simple, they need more picks. And I think that yeah. was part of the, you know, the, the big sell on the Stafford trade is obviously you get the extra first rounders, but that's spread over the next two years. They only have six picks this year. They don't have anything beyond the fifth. And, you know, mm-hmm. you sort of talk about the sixth and seventh round as throwaway picks, whatever. But um, for a team like this, yeah, where they're either. already talking about, well, maybe we'll have to find some undrafted free agents who are going to play mm-hmm. for us. Getting a sixth or seventh round pick is going to be pretty sub- significant for this team. I mean, and, and that's not just for this year. I think that's moving forward, too, because if you look at this roster and we sort of put a two or three year window on this where you say, all right, we need to be competitive now. Um, there are what, like 10 to 15 guys on this current roster that you could maybe see being here in three years when yeah, this is still going. Right. Like if, if that. Right. And that's I mean, sort of that. 15 is probably at the high end of it. Yeah. And right. that's like counting that's counting like Jack Fox and counting mm-hmm. like some of the guys like Mike Ford, like some special teams guys who maybe just stick around. Like if, if you're looking at the two deep, 
it's like seven or eight, maybe I think. Yeah. So how are you going to fill the rest of those spots? I mean, even if it's 15, that's 30, you know, <laughs> you know, it's 38 other roster spots you need to fill out. I don't think they're going to do the majority of that through free agency or trade. So I, you're talking about needing to find over the next two, three, four years, like 20 to 30 players through the draft right. that can come in and at least be on the roster. And then some of them have to be really, really good players. So how are you going to do that? And I think the, the simplest way is to just pick up as many draft picks as you can and just take as many shots at this as is possible. We've, you know, that's, we've seen really good franchises. That's sort of how the Baltimore Ravens have operated for the last like yeah. 10, 15 years. Like they just, it's all about those comp picks and they just go into each draft and say, all right, let's just, let's take 12 guys. And if six are here in week one, that's great. We got six yeah. guys. Uh, <laughs> right. And that's sort of how you have to approach the draft. Cause you can have the best, this lions, Brad Holmes can be the best college evaluator in the league he can put together mm -hmm. the best scouting department they can be at, at the top of the game in terms of just analyzing all this you're probably still not batting over like if you bat 60 percent in the draft that's incredible oh, yeah. you're, <laughs> so, you're a legend yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah i think you're right i think a trade is number one but uh, i don't like let's say no one calls for a trade i mean we've done this already yeah. but i'll do it again mm -hmm. since we're getting <laughs> the day before the draft no one calls for a trade Right. Uh, the top three picks are, you know, whatever Lawrence Wilson, Mac Jones, mm -hmm. uh, four, five, six, uh, four, another team trades up for Justin Fields at four, yep. five is Chase, six is Pitts or some order. So at seven, you're sitting there looking at Sewell and Lance, and no yep. one calls for a trade up. Uh, <laughs> I would take. I would probably take Sewell in that situation. At what this, if it's Fields? Does that change? Your I don't opinion? know. I don't know. It might. If both quarterbacks are there and I can't trade, then I'm going to be like, "Where am I? Where am I? Why am I? Why can't I trade?" <laughs> that's like, that's fair. That's true. I, I should be able to trade, but no. I think that in that situation, I for all the things we've just talked about, like I think in that situation, if no one wants to deal. Uh, yeah, I would probably take Sewell because I think that he's he's going to come in here and play immediately. And like we've talked about all the things he can give your offensive line, uh, the long term piece there with Sewell, you know, like you you have your left tackle situation in theory decided for 15 years. I mean, like it's however long Taylor Decker plays and then however long Sewell plays after that. So like, you know, those are all things that I think he could give you immediately. And at worst, like in that situation, if you couldn't get out of it, then I think that you're you're walking away with a pretty good one. And I would for the Lions' current situation, because this is this is what I think about a lot. When Brad Holmes talks a lot about, and people talk a lot about Brad Holmes, uh, when when the Rams drafted Goff, and his suggestion, you know, to the organization at the time was, you know, we don't have a quarterback, we should do whatever we have to do. If we have a guy that we like, we should do whatever we, whatever necessary to go get one right now, right? Like, forget it. We're not going anywhere until we get this thing solved. And I think that that's you know that's that's football. That's how it that's how it goes. That's how you should look at it, everything else. But I think that's important to note, like when you go back and look, were the Rams in as dire a situation roster wise as the lions are right now. And I, I don't know exactly. I haven't looked at every single situation, but I would bet probably not. The lions defense is one of the worst historically in the history of the national football league. <laughs> right. One right. of the worst yeah. historically in the, in the history of the NFL. And so when you, when you think about that, you, you just, you, 
can you afford to use seven here on a quarterback that you're going to sit for two years while you have so many other things that have to get taken care of? Because in three years, that quarterback's going to need to be ready to lead whatever you have left to the playoffs. And if you don't have enough around him by then, you're getting fired. And that's how it's going to go. So when I look at it that way, you know, I, I can, it gets pretty easy to justify why you would, why you'd want to go otherwise, you know, with a tackle or a trade and, and maybe wait on the quarterback, even if it might be, you know, really tough to do because these guys are so talented. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think that that was, people sort of point to that Rams move for golf and I, and they were coming off a four and 12 year. They just fired their coach. Yeah, they weren't good. Sean McVay. Yeah, they weren't right. great, but I, you do look right. at that roster and it was, uh, they had, uh, well, they had Todd Gurley, first of all, which the Lions have, you know, I get, you know, they sure, have DeAndre Swift, but yep. they had, they had um, Todd Gurley. They had a bunch of pieces uh, on their offensive line. You know, Andrew mm -hmm. Whitworth was there, had been there for a while. They had, uh, they, I think they'd used a couple picks the year before that on the right side, their offensive line was in good shape. They had Brockers, Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald yeah. up front. They had a pretty good linebacking core. They had automatically Tr better. Than they the had Lions Trumaine Johnson, LaMarcus <laughs> Joyner, Mark Barron right. in the secondary. And, and like All, some of those moves yeah. happened in that year between 2016 and 2017. But I think to your point, they were in a spot where they said, all right, we're, we can get to the playoffs next year yes. if we have a quarterback. And That's you're correct. right. The lions are probably two years behind where the right. Rams were at that point. And so I think that does need to be part of the conversation because you're not, you're not saying, all right, we're we're in a pretty good spot with this rebuild. What gets us over the top? And it's the quarterback. Mm -hmm. That's our last thing that we need to really feel competitive. Right. The Lions are at the start of this. <laughs> They're saying, what's right. the first thing we need to get the ball rolling here? And so I think that that does probably change the conversation and and make it tougher to, to take a quarterback. Like you said, this would be a very tough situation to bring a quarterback into. Just really hard, yeah. In terms of the wins and losses next year. We, I mean – even if this coaching staff is incredible and the lions overachieve, like this is not going to be a 12 yeah. and five football team next it's gonna year. It's going to be a grind. I think like it's going to be hard. If they yeah. hang in this thing until November, I think you'd consider that a success. So, Oh yeah. If they're seven and nine, we're going to be talking about Dan Campbell, like maybe yeah. he could be getting recognition for something because like that's, if they're better than they were last year at all, or even, even in, even in the realm, I think that that's, yeah, no, this is not going to be pretty. So, yeah. I mean, so I think you're right. I mean, I think Sewell is, uh, it makes a ton of sense for them. I, we've talked about this. You know, we ended up putting Chase at two, and I had Chase mm -hmm. at two. I'm sort of hesitant. <laughs> like, after Sewell and maybe Rashawn Slater, like, I don't even know. I mean, I think Chase is the best wide receiver in this class. Yeah. I think you can look at him as a number one guy that, you know, you put in there and you would expect maybe not his rookie year, but beyond that, you'd say this is the guy who should be going thousand yards, double digit touchdowns. Like he's that type of talent. So I think that yeah, that right. makes sense there. Kyle Pitts is just so special uh, mm -hmm. that I haven't had no problem putting him up there, but it does get, you mentioned Waddle. Like that's a guy that we've been talking about Waddle Devonte Smith as sort of, well, if they don't get right. Sewell, they don't take a quarterback and they don't get chase. Waddle's a pretty good pick at seven. I, he is a pretty good pick at seven, but I don't know, like looking at this team and where it is and where it wants to go, how much does Jalen Waddle help you get there? I mean, he's a really right. good football player. He's going to make a ton of big plays in the NFL, but you know, how much is he producing in year one and year two with, you know, Tyrell Williams and Rashad Perriman as the other wide receivers and with a new scheme and all that. I mean, it's, I think he's going to be a really good player. 
I think if you're talking about building the foundation, certainly Sewell uh, or Slater sort of fits better right. into that picture. Yeah, I would say that it, uh, as time has gone on here, I've actually gotten more on the train of, you know, if Sewell very well could be gone. I mean, Sewell could be gone at five. He could be gone at six. I mean, Miami could take Sewell. Cincinnati should take Sewell, right? So, I mean, he could be gone. And <laughs> yeah. if the Lions can't trade, right? Like I've come around to basically being like, I, I think they should be, they should be comfortable with the possibility of Slater uh, at seven yeah. in that situation. If you're going to consider Waddle as well, because I think that, you know, for many of the reasons why Sewell would help you sort of complete that line Slater's right there. I mean, he's right there with Sewell, you know, in terms of, you know, we've talked about that, you know, 10 different ways and everything else. So I think that that one, I think Waddle as well, but you know, that's where it comes into like, you know, the trade thing, it just gets so enticing if you just go down and keep going and you're just like, well, yeah, but what if you move down to like <laughs> 14 and got like Jalen Phillips and another pick, or you moved to 14 and what if Waddle slipped? I mean, what if yeah. Devonta or Smith Darisau, or Darisau Tucker, or, yeah, any of these guys, you know what I mean? So like, those are the things where this draft really starts to get, and you can really start to see, you know, where that plan might make sense, where you can really start to see where that loaded up and just fill your roster with starters. And then in a year, you look at where you're at and you see how you need to measure this thing and you do the same thing again, maybe. And then you go from it. Like that's, sort of what the plan needs to be. But, you know, I think a lot of times we talk about this, it's like, well, what if you can't get out of it? What do you do? And, um, you know, I tackles and tackle tackles a tough one to pass on because there's two guys right at the top that are so good, but also like Waddle is a different dude with his speed. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's a different situation with him. I mean, he's a guy that could help you in three different areas. Uh, I wouldn't be mad about Jalen Waddle. I don't think I would take Devonta Smith there. Um, I think we've talked about Micah Parsons a lot in terms of, you know, they need to make sure on Micah Parsons with all the off the field, you know, things that you'd heard coming out of Penn state and everything else, if that's going to fit the way you want it to. Um, but like he would be fine there too. I think even if, you know, considering there's a lot of work, skill work and technique work he needs to work on, but he's probably the best athlete defensively in the draft. So there are options. If you have to stay at seven, you still get a really good player, but you know, you got to get out of that thing. If you, you know, it's like, if Sewell's not there, it's like, get out of there and get another pick because this yeah. thing could really get. Well, some of this too is also, I mean, we said, this is all kind of new. It's a new regime. We don't know what this is going to look like. You mentioned Holmes' background and yeah, he wasn't making the picks. They also have John Dorsey in there. We don't know how he's playing into this. We keep hearing that. Yep. Chris Spielman's got us, you know, Peter King yeah. and Albert Breer, Breer both reported. Chris Spielman might have a say, which right. that, makes me a little nervous to hear but i guess oh, I, it's all over the place <laughs> <laughs> understand it um but this is also the first glimpse we're going to get at sort of how they feel they best can build this roster and, and i think yeah. it's a different do you do you take something that's already a strength in your offensive line and try to make it great or are you just sort of scattering these picks as much as you can and you know because taking waddle yeah. obviously addresses a different situation and taking parsons linebacker is not a strength now it's a you're probably your biggest weakness so then all right now we start to address that i think this will give us a sense for sort yeah. of where they place the priorities in in building out this roster too whether they go offensive line or linebacker quarterback or whatever but i i mean you, know, you really could scattershot it defensively yeah. and just say like you could just take it you know whoever you think if you traded a 15 
um, and you're like, we want to take a defensive guy. Like you could just be like, well, whatever, just take the best, <laughs> you know, like just take, right. because he'll start. Like, I mean, there's no guy defensively right now that, you know, who, who's got a job on that defense. That's like, well, you can't take his job. I mean, he's just yeah. so good that, you know what I mean? Like Trey flowers, probably going to start Romeo will start Jamie Collins. Right. But like, there's nobody on the defense. That's like, well, we, that's checked off. We don't need another guy here. Right. So <laughs> I mean, and you that, can do that. You and I work. think that was, I don't know if, uh, if people will be surprised to see that we had uh, Owusu Koromora from Notre Dame in our top 10. Sure. But I think yeah. obviously linebackers in need. I personally love him as a player. And He's great. I, especially yep. just talking to people in that building and what they're going to expect of their linebackers. Mm-hmm. He's kind of it. Yeah, I mean, it, yep. yeah, like that type of player that can do a little bit of everything for you. So I think that would make sense. But I, I wanted to throw this out too because we didn't. We got to the edge guys. You mentioned Phillips. We had Ojolari at thirteen, Phillips at fourteen. Pay is uh, somewhere nineteen. 19 somewhere, yeah. Um, and then Zaven Collins is kind of uh, like I guess you could count him as an edge. He's yeah. like two seventy now. So, um, but I tossed this in. I mentioned we had our kind of notebook post what we're hearing about the Lions, and the last thing I wrote in there was if they were to trade back to thirteen or fifteen. It wouldn't shock me if they landed right in that. That's where that sweet spot is for the edge it group. Is. And yeah. as we've talked about, if you go into round two, you can find a starting tackle or a starting linebacker. Same thing. Round three, you probably can find a starting tackle or a starting linebacker. Once you get yes. past the top, like four edge guys, you're talking about yes. maybe me. You're talking about like what you had with Julian Okwara last year, where they're like, all right, we can see mm-hmm. the upside is he ever going to get there? And I think it sort of falls off after those names I just mentioned. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them trade back into the, you know, 13, 15 range and look at those edge guys. Cause you mentioned like that, that front, I don't even want to call it a front seven. Cause I think it's going to be a front six. Most of the time they're right, on the field, yeah. but you know, Romeo core is a, a really good edge right now. Still pretty young. Trey flowers. Clearly they overpaid for Trey flowers, but they did. um yes. You know, in, in terms of what you want a starting defensive end to do, if they're playing, especially if they're playing four three or four two five, mm-hmm. he's going to be. Yeah, oh yeah, he he's fit. good against, yep. really good against the run, move around against yep. the pass. Michael Brockers, you know, is solid. Yep. Jamie Collins, I think, could be okay in this defense. They know what they have in Alex Anzalone. Like the front seven could, front six could be competitive. They're it missing could. that one really good guy, and they're missing the really really good pass rusher that's going to just cause trouble right. every time he's on the field. I, I don't know. Am I crazy for thinking that they could walk out around one? Okay. You are not. I think they people would be mad have... about that. I think people would well, get mad. They, they might, but like, here's the thing. Okay. Like if you're talking about Phillips and Ojolari and Phillips to me is like the guy that's like, man, if his health checks out, Oh my God. Yeah. The Lions don't have anybody on the team like this, <laughs> like these two guys. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. Like these guys are running like tight ends Phil, uh, they don't have the Jason Awe crazy times, but I mean, they're, they're more accomplished players. They're more rounded out players. Ojolari's uh, 10 yard split on his 40 was like elite for a tight end. Okay. I mean, like a, a running back would have had a good, that, that's a good time for a running back. That's how fast and explosive this guy is. Phillips is six, five, two sixty. He's yeah. all power. All he looks like of, every great Phillips looks like oh, every great NFL, like four, three yes. defensive end. He's like out years. of central, out of central casting for the guy you'd want to put on the edge that can drop and cover, beat up a weak tackle, get to the quarterback and defend the run. They have no one on the, on their roster that could do the things 
that the guys at the top of the class here in the in these in the edge department good because we talked about this two weeks ago I think it was defensively you are looking for people who can win one-on-ones just win your gap just beat your guy cover the guy that's across from you whatever right now that's got to be number one on this list like you've got to have guys that can win in their area and the lions as we've talked about they don't have anybody <laughs> they don't have enough anyway that can do that and i don't think it would be ridiculous to move down to 15 there and walk out of here with a guy like that because like you said if you want a defensive playmaker in your front seven that's going to go make plays in the backfield I don't think you can wait forever on that one. You know, that's, that's a great point. I, you know, we talked about linebacker and safety and not wanting to wait beyond like round three um, to make the most of this edge class. Yeah. You, you would probably want to get something in the first round or just not do it because like you, you would have to be taking an experiment if you went further from there. Yeah. I mean, I think there are some guys like, I like, I like Carlos Basham a lot. Maybe he's yeah, been around too. You mentioned Oway, like, but even him, you know, even away, like, yeah. uh, like you see the times and that's great. And we know, but we know this is a front office that is sort of only kind of paying attention to the testing right. numbers. And if you look at just the product on the field, that's a lot to do yeah. there. Right. <laughs> I a think lot you, of work. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of those guys uh, beyond round one. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I sort of have talked myself into over the last few days, the possibility that they trade back add some picks and take Ojolari or Phillips and, and mm-hmm. just sort of lean in again, like that defensive line relative to this roster, that defensive line of Okwara, uh, Brockers, Flowers, maybe Penasini, Deshaun Hand, I guess we're doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like he's, well, you got Julian Okwara too. Right, you know, yeah, Austin Bryant. And the I just, Deshaun Hand, I feel yeah. like bad talking about every year. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the Lions. Look at like, him in August. It's like Jacoby <laughs> Jones on the Tigers. You're like, oh, right. yeah, this guy's, this is the year. Uh, we'll get to Deshaun Hand in August. But like that. Deshaun <laughs> Hand, if they're playing more one gap and – he yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be pretty interesting in this defense. Uh, I would healthy, think that so. would help him. Yeah, right, for sure. Uh, so the defensive line to me looks like it's a relative strength, and it's the same sort of conversation for me as the offensive line. Like if you're going to take a guy there, you're kind of leaning in and saying we can win some game, we can hang in some games by making yeah. teams one dimensional up front, and then occasionally get into the passer and they just throwing Phillips right. or Ojolari out there. And I think that that's possible too. So again, this is just. I don't think we've, other than running back, I don't know that we've ruled out anything in no, round one, no. really, right? That's Maybe a great, cornerback? That, that's I mean, I, perfect. Yes, that's a great way to say it. Other than running back and maybe corner, all of it is probably <laughs> like something that you could take and like the guy would come in and, and even corner. Like we had a really hard time with that because, yeah. you know, we have Sertain and, and, and Horn there at 15 and 16, and those could be flipped, to be quite honest. I mean, Horn, they're the two best you know, like Caleb Farley, we had in the top 32 because obviously he's really, really good, but he's been hurt and everything else. But like, what do you want to do there? I, I, you know, you just took Okuda, you know, if you still think, you know, Amani Awari can be part of, part of this going forward, that's fine. But like, they're not done at corner. No. By any stretch. But, you know, do you take a corner? I think if you love one, then I think it would be fine. But like, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if fans would love it, but at the same time, I, I don't think I would hate that either because it's like, you know, I mean, if you traded down and got one of those guys somewhere in the middle, then that's not terrible either. So, and that's one of the ones to me that if they were to make that move would pretty clearly signal that they're just sticking to hundred percent best player available on their board. Cause if you go to 15 and JC horns there, 
I don't know who's going to be on the board. That's a better prospect than him at yeah. that point. You know, I, I like, I, I right. think that you can make an argument he might be it. Yeah. <laughs> that he's the best player there. So you just take the best player and, and you go from there. And, you know, if you have Okuda and Horn as your starting cornerbacks for the next 10 years, I think that's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, I think people would take good. that. And Aaron so, Glenn is your guy coaching them. I mean, you'll yeah. Take that. So uh, again, I think it's really hard to kind of narrow this class down for them. And, but let's, uh, to get back to the big board, we've got the, we've sort of got that pocket of edge guys. We've yeah. got the offensive tackles up top. It gets a little tougher as you get down towards the bottom around one into round two. Um, is that still offensive tackle wide receiver for you when they get on the board at the top around or at 41 there kind of near yeah. the top around two? I mean, that's, it still that, feels like where the strength is. Yeah, that is still, especially if you don't take a tackle in the first um, and it changes the map a little bit if you get the extra pick, but I would say tackle or, um, or maybe even safety. I, I've, yeah. I've thought about that. You know, I mean, if Richie Grant, falls down there. Um, we've talked about that. I don't think Mo Rig or Grant, I don't know if either of them are going to be there, but if they fall down there, then, you know, those are the two best safety prospects. Jevin Holland is, is a good player as well. And he fits what they want. I have a hard time waiting longer on safety. I think like we've talked about, you can wait on tackle probably through the third linebacker, maybe player. in that second round too. I think. Yeah, that would be the other one. Baron Browning. I, I think Baron Browning and Jabril Cox are those two guys after Zayvon Collins that are those kind of off ball types that fit what the Lions need and would be, I would think pretty immediate contributors for them. Um, but at the same time, like they're going to be gone pretty quick. I, I don't think either of those guys are going to make it out of the second. So those would be guys like if you had the extra pick, then I would probably, you know, definitely consider taking a linebacker up there or a safety. But if you didn't, then, you know, it gets a little tighter as we've talked about. That's why, again, like, these limited picks like this, you got to find a way. And I think that you, if you can't trade seven, you know, I think that there could be a market to trade back at 41 as well. I think you could move yeah. back off 41 if you want. Um, we talked about that a couple weeks ago too. You know, the, you know, some of these contenders, you know, they're a little lower in the second round that, you know, maybe they feel like they're one piece away, like Cleveland or something like that wants to come up to 41 and snag a corner or something like that. That's still hanging on. I mean, I think you got to be willing to do that because if you could take, get an extra pick, you could still go down there toward maybe the middle or bottom of the second and still get a good player. I think you can still get a guy that can start for you. Uh, maybe a defensive tackle or something like that, that you don't want to wait on. But I still think that that pick is also one that maybe even should be considered as hey, we're open for business here too to trade back. So just to go back to our mock, we had to put up four different scenarios at the start of this week, um, which was, uh, what was it wide receiver at seven uh, tackle at seven quarterback at seven and then a trade down and they ended up with Parsons at 15 um, but in those two offensive the first two offensive scenarios where we had we took Sewell at seven and then we came back and traded out of 41 and, and took a wide receiver at 57 and then we yeah. took uh, Chase at seven and took an offensive tackle at 41 can the Lions do that I guess can you go offense offense in the first two picks or do you think that they need to have one of those first two picks be defense just because of where the strengths of this class are defensively and what they need, how many needs they have on that defense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that if you do that, the rest of your draft has to be, has to be defense. And, you know, really the rest of your draft has to be like linebacker, safety, defensive tackle, 
you have to take the next three picks have to be in, you know, those three guys have to be addressed in the next three, I would think, because there, there are good players there that can help you right now. You know, and I, again, I, I think you can do it because if you love, 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 love the two offensive guys at the top and think that they're going to be guys for you for 10 years, then do it. And I think that that's fine. And I think that they're in a situation where they can do that right now and get away with it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, passing on a premium defender, you know, in, in the top 50, like not getting a top 50 defender, I, I guess at this point makes me a little like, uh, maybe you want to go back and wish that <laughs> yeah. you'd have done that. But like, that's one where it's like, it would depend. It would depend on the situation. Like if it's two guys at the top that you're like, well, we, you know, this tackle fell to us at 41 that we thought was going to be gone at 17. Like if Ted and Jenkins falls or something like that. Right. But, you know, otherwise I think I'd probably lean into maybe looking to even that out a little bit more. Yeah. It's, we also don't know exactly what they feel like about this, the young players they do have on defense. I mean, all indications are so far is that they're yeah, that's a good point. fairly high on them and they seem excited to be working with them, but it, it, it sort of changes the setup. If you think like, if they've come in and watched the tape and watched, he'd probably gone back and watched like Jeff Okuda's college tape, because I don't know how much you even got out of last year from right. him, frankly, yeah. like if you watch these guys and they are, going into this draft thinking, well, we can develop Okuda and Oruwari into being pretty good players. We can think we can get Walker back to where he was. Maybe we can salvage one of Harris or Tavai. Yeah, uh, that's we've got good, Okora that's locked up. Um, you know, hand, you mentioned, we, we talked about hand, you know, Julian Okora, Austin Bryant, Penasini, like maybe a couple of those guys stick. Yeah. It's possible that they're not as desperate defensively as everyone seems to think they should be. That's true. <laughs> um, I think it's possible they've got. We know they've got some guys in here that they uh, at least trust as veterans for the next year, like Anzalone and and D Marlowe, Quentin Dunbar. Like they're pretty excited about these guys right. too. So it's possible that they could just again. I, I think we'll get a feel for you know how they're approaching this rebuild based on what they do in this draft and especially what they do in those high picks. If you go offense, offense, I think it's at least a signal that you feel like the defense can develop some of that talent that didn't develop last year, because it's, you know, you can find some guys in rounds three and rounds four, but like you said, you'd be passing on two premier spots for, to find a defensive talent that would be kind of a plug and play starter. Harris, Will Harris is the guy that's like the most interesting one, I guess, uh, in that conversation, because we can go down through it. Like neither of us have gotten any sense that they're even remotely worried about Jeff Okuda. I don't think that they're concerned about him. I think they think he's a young player who fought through injuries and confidence in a COVID year and are st- <laughs> they still expect yeah. he'll be fine. Uh, Tracy Walker, I think, you know, obviously, you know, same thing there. Tavai, I'm not so sure what you get out of him, but like Will Harris... <laughs> Will Harris is a guy, I mean, I was looking at some of his stuff just the other day, actually, because he always, he always pops into my head when I think about these safeties, because, you know, you go back and you look like athletically at Boston college, Will Harris was very good. He checked all the boxes that he needed to check. He was a really, really good athletic prospect coming out of Boston college. He made plays there. Um, He gets to the NFL in a really weird situation on a really bad defense that doesn't like its coach. And he's being asked to do stuff and he's being asked to do stuff that he's not good at. So like, He's moved around. He's they've, they've tinkered with him. He's only been in two years and it was in a disastrous situation. Will Harris is a guy that I'm willing to say, like, there could be more in there that we haven't seen yet. And it's true with Tavai too, but Harris, I think more so, but 
to the same time, I would also come back with like, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't still take a safety in this draft because I still think that you're still super thin there and you still need more help in that area. Tavai is, is the one, I guess it's like Davis would have been more that, that guy, I think for me and that, like, I think you could have salvaged maybe something out of that if somebody didn't come in and offer him a ton of money like that. But like, I'm not so sure about Tavai, but Will Harris, I, I, is there anybody else like that for you? I mean, as you've thought about this, like younger guys on this defense, especially like that we, you know, I'm sure we've written off everybody one way or the other <laughs> as time has gone on but then you go back over and you think well you know like I'm willing to give this guy you know one more or two more whatever I mean is there anybody else like that for you uh man I mean Harris that is would a say good like one. don't give up on him yet you know? yeah Harris is a good one you mentioned just how tumultuous this has been it's been it's two coordinators in two years too plus the COVID yeah. offseason plus like Patricia it, I mean plus <laughs> Patricia plus they played him like that rookie year uh what was the rookie year? Was that when Diggs got traded, right? That's when mm-hmm. Diggs got traded out. And instead and of moving Tracy in. Walker yeah. back to free safety, they put Will Harris at free safety for a lot of it. And he's not, he's clearly not a free safety. Right. <laughs> he just got exposed there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, like when they drafted him in round three, you looked at him and you said, all right, well, that this kind of fits with this defense, I yeah. guess, but it yeah. fits with what, you know, NFL teams want out of that safety right. spot now like i think a lot of the like the tackling has been terrible which is problematic like that's the biggest red flag for me but i do think that he's interesting uh the other one is a guy that campbell mentioned as they might want to see what he can do and we've kind of been asking for the lions to see what he can do for a few years which is jalen reeves maven yeah um, point. and i don't know like he's what is like his fifth year now he just resigned to come back so there's been an opportunity for him to kind of break through. He couldn't do it under the previous regime, but knowing what sort of the expectations of this defense might be and looking at a guy like, like, I don't think he's as, I don't think Reeves Maven is, is as physical as Alex Anzalone, but no, if you're talking about sort of how they might use Anzalone and let him kind of step out in the slot and just try to body up some guys over there and, and play a little sideline to sideline, Reeves Maven's athletic enough to be out there in some of those sub package situations. And so that's one that I, you know, you talk about, maybe there's not superstar talent here, but you might be able to find some depth with some better coaching. <laughs> I think that that's one. Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious yeah. to see what he looks like in, you know, July and August. Yeah. That's, that's one that, you know, guys that can cover guys that have certain skill sets that just weren't valued by the other, by the previous staff. And then I, you know, you, know, you look at a guy like Harris, but I mean, yeah, I, I it's possible that they could feel better about, you know, the defense in terms of certain guys that maybe people have not good, not good about the defense, better better maybe, but it's impossible that they can look at this and say that there's any depth to speak of, or there's any sort of like playmakers to hang your hat on. So like, I think that they could certainly feel better about it than maybe most of us on the outside looking in feel, but at the same time, like, no, yeah, you go through the whole thing and you're like, yeah, they're still going to need depth and, and all these things in every area. But you know, there is no gun to the head. Like that's the thing to remember. There is no like, well, you know, by next December, you'd better be eight and something, right? Or, or this thing is going to go other way. So that's that's the <laughs> yeah. other part to remember, and that's going to be there for at least another year. So I think that that's and, and that's fine. I think that that's how it should be. That's this is this is a rebuild. This is you're cleaning up a mess. You've acknowledged that. That's fine. Be as competitive as you can as you do that, and I think that's all you can ask for. But that again, that's why I say I've sort of talked myself into 
a trade down and an edge yeah. as being a very viable option. Because right. if, if you come out of the first two days of this draft, that's four picks. If you even in this just this hypothetical I'm I'm tossing out, you trade back to 15, you get an extra pick in, in the first or second round next year. You maybe get a what like an extra third this year. Now you're up to five picks over the first two days. And you come out of that mm-hmm. with like let's just say you get Ojolari, you get Alex Leatherwood at the top mm-hmm. of round two. You get Chaz Surratt in the and in Dwayne Eskridge and whoever. I don't care yeah. who the fifth guy is. Well, I mean, you got four starters right there. <laughs> now you've made some pretty good progress. And right. again, like in terms of the defense, it's not going to be good next year. But if you're if you're looking at passing downs and you have Romeo Okwara, Trey Flowers, Brockers. Yeah. Ojolari or someone like that on the field, and then you roll out Surratt and Anzalone or Surratt and Colin. Like I think it's possible that you could take some bigger steps forward in one year than maybe people are expecting right now. Yeah, um, I agree. And that's probably true on the other side of the ball. If you put a really good offensive line tackle in there, you find that playmaker. Maybe it is Waddle, or maybe it's one of those guys in the mid rounds. But you you find one or two more playmakers. Like I think there's. I don't know. I, I could see this being not quite as much of a lost cause next I season. I, uh, no, I mean, I really not like, to the yeah, point of yeah. being good again, not like a nine, 10, 11, one team, but competent, which is an improvement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like the idea of putting like a really good young player, you know, a young linebacker, like a Surratt or a Baron Browning or Cox or Ojolari or Phillips up front. Like I really like the idea of putting, a Jalen Phillips in a room with flowers and Romeo Okora and saying like, you guys help him and let's grow this thing together. Same thing with the linebacker, like put him in there with Jamie Collins and let those guys sort of like grow together and let them, I, I, I think that those are, those would be good things that I think at the end of the year, like we've talked about in certain areas on the team, if you're able to just get some more juice in some of those spots, like I think you would feel it. I think at the end of the year, you'd look up and be like, they were better in that area. And that's really all it needed was just like a little more talent and a little more energy and a little more something to get guys kind of, you know, what, you know, whatever that might be. And I think that, I think that that's the thing to remember is if you can get more picks in the top 100 or the top 50 or 75, like we said, and if you can max that out in the top four rounds, I think you could feel it faster. It's not going to be like, you're not going to arrive faster, but I think you'll feel the growth faster than you maybe even realize. Yep. All right. Uh, let's wrap here by uh, you want to call your shot? Who's the, who's going to be on the Lions? <laughs> who's... <laughs> oh, no. Um, no, I don't want to call my shot. I think they're going to get I think they'll be able to trade. I, yeah. That's I think that like that's been the one big thing since January. Like you go back and forth, right? Where it's like there were times where I was like, well, there's no way they're going to be able to trade. And there were times where I'm like, they, they should be fired if they aren't able to pull off a trade in this situation, right? And, I, and I, you go back and forth and it's possible that they're not able to pull it off. Uh, it's certainly possible that like the board goes a different way than we, than we all think. And, you know, they're sitting there with no one that anybody wants to trade for left on the board. But I think that odds would suggest that I think they're going to be able to do it. I, we know that they are at least very interested in the idea of doing it. I'm not sure if that would, we would, we would be able to say that that's their preference necessarily completely, but I think that's what's going to happen here. I think they're going to be able to do it, pull it off one way or the other. There's too many options uh, sitting there. And if the board goes anywhere kind of close to what we think it'll land, 
if I had to call a shot, that would be my prediction that I think they'll be able to do it. And uh, I think that'll be for the best. Yeah. I mean, I think the worst case scenario for them is not even really that bad, but I think the worst case scenario is that the Mac Jones hype is a lie, which is possible. possible. (laughs) And, And so the top four go Lawrence, uh, Wilson, Lancer Fields, and then the other quarterback, Lancer Fields uh-huh. at four. And now Mac Jones is the only one left. Probably doesn't have as much interest when you're at seven. Right. Those Bengals take uh, Sewell. Sewell or Chase, and right. then the Dolphins take the other one of those guys. And so right. at seven, you wind up with Mac Jones as your quarterback trade bait, Pitts, right. Slater, Waddle oh. Smith. Like, again, it's not – that's not a doomsday scenario. No, you're, still no. Com- yeah. you're still in yeah. pretty good shape there. You might be able to get a team to come up for Slater, frankly. Um, you could. Or Pitts. I mean, I guess you could get a team to come up for you Pitts. Uh, so uh, I think that's the worst case scenario. And again, even in that situation, I think you're coming out of there. Even if you get stuck in that spot, yeah. maybe you just take Slater or you take Pitts and just figure <laughs> that. Like I would be fine with that. I know a lot of people wouldn't. I would be – Yeah. Very intrigued by that, but um, that would be the least like that would that I, yeah that's the right way to put it. I'd be fine with it, but it would be the least like I'm fine with it, but I'm not like I could have been more fine with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I think that that's that's probably the yeah. that's probably the thing that people are are sort of sorting in their head. So yeah. like yeah, but to your point, I don't think they're going to come out of the first round with a bad player right uh, here. And if they do, then we've got we have a different podcast next week to talk, <laughs> right. to talk yeah. about them. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll, uh, well, yeah, we'll find out soon enough here how it goes and uh, we'll be back. uh, We'll have tons and tons of coverage, both for the lions and the entire draft on our site. I mean, there's a bunch up there, but over the next uh, three days, Thursday through, well, I guess over the next four or five days, we really have stuff into, into Monday and Tuesday that uh, we'll be covering the draft, but lots and lots of content Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Nick uh, is, we'll be uh, participating in our, live blog as the mm-hmm. as the draft goes on so make sure you get over there and check that out uh he'll be on uh, covering the whole thing for, <laughs> across oh, the league yeah i'm still uh, standing on sunday yeah, we'll <laughs> but we have lots of lions coverage coming all three days uh we uh say we teased in our uh, one of our stories this week we've also got some some really cool stuff coming yes, uh absolutely. on some of the free agent signings and what that means for the offense and defense and what we can learn from those uh We'll let you know about yeah, exact timing there. Once, <laughs> once the picks all come in, I mean, that's another thing to, to, to tease out there too. Like we'll go through everybody this summer uh, and spring and we've got all sorts of stuff. Like I, I think we've got some good ideas and fun ideas about how guys can fit with what the new staff wants and that sort of thing. So stay tuned for sure. May, June, July, we'll be able to have some, some fun stuff. Yeah. And again, make sure you uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, we will come back next week and, uh, sort of recap everything and look ahead to, you know, the rest of the offseason and if there's any more moves that they need to make. I mean, I assume they're still going to be busy through August picking up guys, but we'll uh, recap the draft and see how they made out and how many trades went <laughs> down and all that. So uh, thanks for listening this week. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed over the past few months and everyone has been with us all along. And we hope to a few more of you jump on board this weekend. Enjoy the draft. Good luck to the Lions (laughs) (laughs) and all the fans out there crossing their fingers that this is uh, the right regime and this is going to work. So uh, for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. 